We're going to be in Matthew 5 tonight, and tonight is really an extension. It's an extension of Sunday, and just to maybe go a little bit deeper into the thought of two paths that we can take. We can take a path of trusting God, or we can take a path of, and and the reason I want to explain this a little bit better is I live my life to please my Heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, one scripture said, finding out what pleases the Lord. Can I tell you what I have found out is God is very pleasing when we trust him. Because you're not always going to have all the answers in the moment that you face a difficulty or you face uh, something going on in your life. You may not have an answer right there in that moment. God, why is this happening? But it's in those moments where we can make a choice to trust him. And my whole point of Sunday was kind of showing how the difference between Jesus' parable of a Pharisee who tithed 103 times a year and fasted and prayed and, and, and lifted, you know, prayed to himself, you know, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, especially this tax collector over here. So my point was just to be careful of operating in religious pride, that we understand that we're, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we all come to the cross in the same way as sinners that need to be saved by grace. And tonight I want to kind of talk about the Pharisees some more because I think the Pharisees get a very, very bad rap. They do. We, especially as pastors, we bring up the Pharisees, talk about the Pharisees. And, and I also understand and know that by virtue of a lot of people getting saved in this church over the last couple of years, I mean, we've gone to baptizing two or three people every two or three months to baptizing 10 to 15 people two or three months. So that's the harvest. That's what we've been talking about is the harvest and then discipling. And I understand that there will be people sitting here that the more, longer you live with Jesus, the more you learn Christianese, don't we? Yeah. We just we talk in terms that are so comfortable with us because we've been in church for 26 years, but we forget sometimes that there's people in attendance that they don't know what a royal diadem is, right? You guys are like, I don't either. <laughs> I don't know. It's in one of the one of the hymns. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him king, Lord of all. And I'm like, saying that the first time, I'm like, well, that sounds pretty heavy. A royal diadem. I guess that's just a big scepter, is my assumption. But we speak in these terms all the time. So when I talk about Pharisees. I think it's really important to understand with the Pharisees is they get a bad rap. But what you may not understand is the Pharisees started off as a wonderful move of God. And the reason I say that is because they were formed as a sect of Judaism about 332 B.C. So about 330 years before Jesus came on the scene. The Pharisees, because the Alexander the Great conquered Israel. He conquered the whole known world, basically, at that time, but especially around the Mediterranean Sea. And when they conquered around the Mediterranean Sea to establish trade routes and establish their rule over that area, they did something called Hellenization. My, hold on a second. I think it said, thought I was trying to call somebody. Hello? Hello? I'm good. Yes. They tried to, they did what they called Hellenization, and they tried to Hellenize the Jews, which Hellenization just means they wanted to create little Greeks. It was really genius what they did when they came in and conquered an area, and they had conquered the whole area of the Mediterranean, and when they came in and conquered the Jews especially, because they knew if you let them keep worshiping Jehovah, if you let them keep attending synagogue, if you allow them to keep reading the Torah, you're never going to be able to conquer them. So when they came in and conquered, they showed up and said, no more synagogue, so no more church, no more worshiping your God, Jehovah, no more reading the word and teaching the word to your children. 
And the Pharisees were a group that raised up at that time and said, wait a second. We're going to teach our kids the word of God. How many knows that's a good thing? Thank you, brother, back there. (laughs) They said, we're going to keep attending synagogue. We're going to keep, in other words, they rose up and said, no, we're going to put our foot down and we're going to say, but 300 years after something that started good became something very negative. If it weren't so, then Jesus wouldn't have had such a huge problem with what it tells us is just because you start in a good way, you need need to make sure that you continue in a good way. Everybody hear me? Because in those 300 years, we know what happened. What happened is, is they weren't content with just, hey, we need to get back to God. We need to get back to his word. We need to get back to his worship. We need to get back to a place of purity before him. Those are those those are all wonderful things. I would say those are the days we're living in. But just because something starts good doesn't mean it continues to be good if, listen to me tonight, if you lose the power of the secret place in your intimacy with God. They had made everything external that was meant to be internal. So they were the, they were the, the crown princes of wearing a religious mask. Jesus said so himself. We're going to read it right here in a moment in Matthew. They were they had a corner market on putting a mask on and having all the, you know, all the right things to say at the right moment to say it. And tonight I want to talk about simply this as an extension of Sunday. That if you go down the path of trusting God, if you go down the path of really truly surrendering your life, understanding that there's nothing really we can offer God except for our sin and our shame and our brokenness. And when you come, become honest, because really the church, if it needs to get back to anything, it's just simple honesty before God and honesty with our communities. Amen? I think we would reach a lot more people by not telling everybody, hey, we're all that in a bag of chips, right? We're, we got it all figured out. It's no, I'm on this journey to finding out who God is. And really, truly, if you ever want to really experience and come to a relationship with God that is above what is superficial and above and beyond what is just, just right there in front of you, it's, it's finding God in the secret place. That tremendous, beautiful, transformational power of Christ where you are experiencing him in the very secret place of the heart. So we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about the pattern in the Old Testament of the tabernacle and the temple and how we can look at different things in there and find out. Let me ask you this tonight. How many have ever tried to hide your feelings from God? Come on, be honest with me. I have. There's been times I just didn't understand and just, God, I'm this, you know, and I'm like, I can't, can't, can't think that, can't say that. Can't, 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 you know. And then I realized he already knows. So when Jesus shows up, he was ministering to an incredibly disenfranchised group of people as the Israelites. They, what they did is they looked at the Pharisees and everything was about the external. Everything was about standing on the corner and being the one that prayed the loudest. Being the one who let your hem out of your garment so you could be gone and look like I'm, I'm really seeking God and I'm fasting. And they would, they would do it for a show. In church, if we could get away from in the church doing everything, because the church has become really a big entertainment show in a lot of ways. 
if we could finally get into that connection of the intimacy and the secret place and the place of just being real and honest with God and before God, it would completely revolutionize your life. And if your life is revolutionized, then guess what? Other people's lives within your sphere of influence is going to be revolutionized because there's nobody outside of these four walls that don't want to have joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's the kingdom of God. So when I ask you a question like, how many have ever tried to hide their feelings from God? That's, I mean, I I have many times. So God wants us to not be like the Pharisees, who he literally said are hypocrites. Now the word hypocrites is the word, and I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it many times throughout the times of preaching. It was a mask wearer. It was those who just wanted to wear a mask and have an outward appearance of, of godliness and piety and have got it all together. And, and, and let me say this, because you could misunderstand what I'm saying, and you can misunderstand my sermon from Sunday. God wants you to be together, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I have to say things sometimes. I'm like, well, duh, right? Of course. God wants you whole, but he's not interested in having a relationship with your mask. He's interested in having a relationship with the you that he lovingly formed and created in your mother's womb. I've said this before and I'll say it again many times. But oftentimes we misunderstand sin. Sin doesn't just separate you from God. It separates you from you. Are you hearing me tonight? It separates the real you because what happens to us, and we're going to talk about this in depth at the end, what happens to us when we sin is the very first thing you should feel, because this is our conscience working in our favor, we should feel regret and shame for committing that, right? But here's the kicker. The devil is going to capitalize on that shame, and he's going to shut the door to the secret place that God wants to find you in, and you need to find God in, and we never go beyond the outer courts of our relationship with God, and we never move into the holy the, the, the Holy of Holies where God's presence... Listen, man, in God's presence in the Holy of Holies, we see all throughout the Bibles. Listen, there were times that God's presence and His holiness, it shined out through the Holy of Holies into the very camp of Israel, into the very, onto the very people of God. And when you have that type of relationship, listen to me, you will shine with God's presence. You will literally shine with God's glory. And that's what our world needs. They need the real. They need, the, they, they, they need something to tangibly base their life on. So if you're in Matthew, we're going to read our scriptures tonight and dig into this a little bit. Amen? Has anybody ever gone to a... Let me ask you, has anybody ever gone to a place where you knew as soon as you walked in the room you weren't dressed the right way? Right? Yeah. I had to live this way living in Louisiana for a lot of years because I wore Ohio State stuff all the time. I bought my pastor an Ohio State hat when I went to Ohio to visit one time, brought it back, put it on his desk. He said, thank you so much. After two or three weeks of just seeing him out and about, I noticed he quit wearing it. I said, why'd you quit wearing the Ohio State hat? He said, I got tired of the looks that everybody gave me. Because that over there in Louisiana is hardcore LSU, bleed purple and gold. And really, that's how the people Jesus' day felt. Literally, they just kind of threw up their hands and they thought, I'm, I'm dressed wrong, I talk wrong, I, 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 there's no way I could live up to this right here. What Jesus knew is the ones that were externally doing it and never allowing, listen, religion will work on you, a relationship with Christ will work in you, 
And a relationship with Christ will begin to change you from the inside out. The Pharisees had a market on the outward appearance of things as we talk Sunday. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Amen? Let's look at our scripture tonight. We're going to look at, um, where did I tell you to go? Matthew 5? Yep, Matthew 5. We're going to, we're going to uh, let's see, we're going to read verse 5 and then I think 6. And then jump down to 17 and 18 tonight. So, Matthew 5, verse 5. And when you, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. And again, those are just mask wearers. Those are, those are those who... It's not Matthew 5? Are you sure? Matthew 6. I was testing you on this Wednesday night. I was testing you. You guys told me Matthew 5. Is that what I said in the beginning was Matthew 5? No, I said Matthew 6, Judy. Just ask Robert when you get out. Has anybody, love you too, has anybody um, ever been asked to pray out loud in a group? Yeah. They, had, they were masters, at the ones that prayed out loud. In other words, they were doing it. And what Jesus is lining out here in Matthew 6, forgive me. In Matthew 6, what he's lining out is not doing things like the Pharisees do them. Now, again, we can touch on why. They started off as a wonderful group. And as they got into power, they began to put heavy, Jesus said this, not me. They began to put heavy burdens on the people. They began to say, hey, if you don't do this and you don't do that, and well, if you, hey, I fast and I stand on the corner and pray like you, well, you got to do this and you got to do In other words, there was over 300 rules that they had put on their shoulders. And Jesus shows up and he had his heart of compassion was simply like, these are sheep without a shepherd. My sheep are scattered. They're not really digging into what a relationship with God. They had a very messed up. And if you've ever prayed out loud, and I've mentioned this before, but it, it was so funny to me because the first time that I was in this group, we're in a big circle. It was all, I think, college students at school, and we're joined hands, and we're praying and everything. And I go, oh, Jason, you pray out. I had never prayed out in front of people before. So naturally, I peppered it with some good King James English. O thou Father that thou art in heaven, thy be thy name. And I'm praying and praying. I think we were praying for somebody that was having a problem with fear. And I said, and don't let them be as scared. <laughs> My buddy was beside me when I got done. He's like, what's a scared? I'm like, well, that's King James of being scared. And he's like, I don't think so, man. I don't think it is. And I'm just, I'm just really putting it on. Well, that's what they were doing. And Jesus starts off here. He said, don't be like the mask wearers. Listen, your prayer should always be a conversation with your Heavenly Father. I come to my Heavenly Father because He's the King of the universe. I come to Him with reverence and awe. And I come to Him understanding my place as the child, as the, as the one that's coming to Him with reverence. So you don't mess that up and get the whole Jesus is my homeboy thing. I mean, come on, y'all. He's the King of the universe. So I come to Him that way. But I also come to him understanding that I have a relationship with him and I can be honest. Pharisees were not honest. He's trying to fix something here with the people that were there in his day. And Jesus is just simply saying, you guys aren't supposed to do that. This isn't condemning public prayer. This is condemning a religious ritual of prayer and it not being from your heart. Amen. I believe that God heard my prayer not to be as scared that day because he knows me really well. And look, look back in verse 5 and we'll finish that one. For, the, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 6. But you, everybody say me, because he's talking to us. When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Father, for these next few minutes, God, I pray that you would help me deliver this word that's on my heart to continue to draw us closer to intimacy with you, Father. God, tonight I pray that with all my heart that we would find you in that secret place of intimacy, that place of joy, that place of of togetherness. And God, tonight, just do something new in our hearts, Father. Reignite the flame if need be. Bring us back to our first love. Through the word, God, tonight as we teach, we pray that you would teach us all things, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the secret place that he's talking about is actually found. Everybody say right here. The secret place that he's talking about is actually found in our heart. That's where we are to experience God. That's where we are to go into. It does, of course, it's talking about being alone. It's talking about kind of shutting off. Hey, listen, if sometimes you need to turn off the TV and turn something off and down and go find a nice, quiet place, he's certainly referring to that. But tonight I want to talk about the secret place of your heart, that that's where you are to be enjoying and experiencing. So in other words, it is about the outward in some sense, because what God is doing in our heart always manifests itself in an outward way to others around us. But it's not just about that. It's about experiencing God in the secret place. Look at verses 17 and 18 if you jump down just a little bit there in the chapter. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God is a rewarding God. I want you to know that tonight. So I want to talk about a few minutes for the... For the secret place, because the Pharisees in Christ's day had perfected public displays of piety, public displays. And here's why. They did it just like an actor, and that's where they get the word hypocrite as an actual mask wearer, an actor on a stage that actually wants to be applauded and lifted up. And after hundreds of years, these people were serving God not because of love and devotion. They were serving God because other people thought they were so wonderful. And it's always a warning to us to make sure we visit the secret place, stay in the secret place, and continually develop our secret place so that we don't get into a place like that. And again, their motives were pure. They had started off really, really good worshiping. You know, they just wanted to get back to true devotion to God. But we don't receive the message of change very well because even even as the church or even as our church, if we try, listen, if we try to rely on what worked 20, 30, 40 years ago, we're missing it. Amen? That's what they did. They thought, well, this worked 300 years ago. Let's just keep it up. And not the, But when God moves and wants to do a new thing, isn't it, don't you find it kind of interesting that before Jesus came on the scene, he sent John the Baptist as one, as a voice crying in the wilderness? Now, John the Baptist had to be a wild person to encounter. I mean, he wore, what, camel hair and ate honey and... You just get this impression of this just wild prophet that was coming out of the wilderness, repent for the kingdom of heaven. So God was doing a new thing. And when God does a new thing, church, we have to have our hearts in a place, in the secret place, to hear what God is saying so that we can move with him, move when he moves. And Jesus comes along and he says, no, no, no. I have an altogether different way. This is something I want to teach you of when I come, I want you to have a secret place, worship and identity. Because 
The secret place, again, is where you find God and God finds you. And really, truly, in the secret place of your heart, when you go in and you commune with God, it is, it is the real you. Amen? At least it should be. That's my encouragement tonight is don't try to wear a mask into the secret place. Because God knows your struggles. He knows your emotions. He knows what's really going on. He sees it all. He knows it all. So we can go ahead and just take off the mask and not feel like we have to put on a show for other people or for God. In other words, you can be really honest with God. You can be really heartfelt with God. And what ends up happening is you begin to build that relationship. And when you, you eventually find God in that secret place, listen, and you, I know many of you know this, if not everybody here on a Wednesday night, there's nothing like experiencing God. There's nothing like experiencing Him. Um, I think probably one time in my life, and maybe you share this same thing happening to you, I got into a place of trying to please people more than I was pleasing God. When you get in a place where you're trying to please people more than, and I think the Pharisees probably fell into that trap too. You know, they, they're raised up and they're good Jewish boys who could memorize the whole Torah and the Pentateuch and recite books of the Bible to even be selected for rabbi school and all the things that they had to go through in order to get there. They put a lot of time, effort, and work into their relationship with God. And God, Jesus comes on the scene. He says, listen, I want, I want to tell you what a real relationship with God is. How many would say, I want a real relationship with God? Amen. Listen, the secret place is not what you do. Listen to this. It's not even your thoughts. It's the you who observes your thoughts, your decisions, and your emotions. The you that only you know about, and in some cases... Nobody else even knows that real you. Isn't it awesome to think that God knows you? When you begin to get that revelation that He knows you, because I struggled with a long time for many years as I went into ministry, struggled mightily with God. I think you called the wrong guy. Some of you are here like, I think he did too. No. Uh, we've, been, we've been meeting, Pastor, and talking about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Because I'm like, God, you can't really know me. You can't really know. But the more intimate I got with Jesus, here's what happened. I really became the Jason that he saw. Are you hearing me? I became, out of that, out of, out of that intimacy and that love relationship. Because here's what I found. God wasn't interested in having a relationship with my mask. Amen? With who I was pretending to be. God is interested in having a relationship with the real you. The secret place is the real you. It's, it's, it's the you when it's just you and your thoughts. And we think it's our thoughts. We think it's our emotions. We think, no, it's, it's, it's the you at the very center of yourself. It says to guard your heart for out of it flows all the issues of life. Jesus took the external and he began to point it into the internal to the point where if you actually believe and read Jesus' teaching, which I'm sure everybody here does, it actually became more difficult because he says not only if you consummate lust, but if you have lust in your heart toward somebody, then you've already committed it. You understand? He actually, he said, a lot of times we'll clean the outer part of the cup. It's the inside that needs to be cleaned out. The only way you're ever going to do that is if you get really honest with God. So I thought about, and you guys have studied this before, the secret place and the tabernacle pattern. Everybody say tabernacle. God is a God of principles and he's a God of patterns. Um, 
the principles that are laid out in God's word are simply this. If you do God's word his way, you get God's results. Amen. And then if you look at patterns all throughout the Bible, the, the, the temple was given as the tabernacle first and the temple that was later built by King Solomon, of course, and then rebuilt by Herod in the days we're talking about when Jesus shows up on the scene. Beautiful, ornate, gorgeous. When the sun would hit it at certain angles, the walls would literally glow and it would look golden and just beautiful, beautiful temple. And the, the tabernacle was laid out in such a way that it gives us some hints of how do we get to the secret place. Because if we look at the temple, it's, it's the outer court and the inner court and then the holy of holies. So I want to talk about this pattern for just a minute. The outer court was completely and totally set aside for sacrifice and cleansing. So here's what they had. They, they had a bronze laver and they had an altar there where they, in other words, the outer court was dedicated and focused on cleansing. Everybody say cleansing. How many know and understand we should be washed in the water of the word? We need to be clean before God. We need to continually, listen, I didn't just offer a sacrifice or, or repent of my sins one time 26 years ago. When the Holy Spirit brings something in my life, I am repenting of it in that moment. And I'm asking God, hey, God, wash me with the water of your word. Cleanse me from the inside out. I don't want to live in a place where I cannot come into your presence. And we can only come in by the blood of Jesus. But it shows us a pattern here in the... And, and, and as they all offered sacrifices, they offered sacrifices every single day. Does everybody understand that? They, they had the bronze labor there with an understanding that as you come into the outer courts, you need to be clean and you need to offer something. So there's an offering and a cleansing that would happen, and it happened day after day after day after day. And I want you to understand this tonight. It wasn't just one moment of sacrifice that does it, but I have to take up my cross daily and follow Jesus. Amen? And after going through those outer courts, they're really focused on cleansing and sacrifice. You enter through a veil. So the, the whole point of the, the Old Testament temple was to keep people out. And after the cross, it's to bring people in. Amen? That's beautiful to me. Because there, Jesus said in Revelation, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody, Who's shutting up a door when Jesus tore a veil? We are. We're the ones that, that shut a door of shame. We shut a door of solitude. We shut a door of giving up. We, we shut all kinds of doors. And listen, the only one you're harming is yourself because it's Jesus that wants to come into that secret place and transform us with his power. And the other room that as you went into to the next room was divided into two parts. And so you went from the outer court to the inner court. And the inner court had a menorah, which was a lampstand. <laughs> There was an incense table that, that incense burned before God. It was representative of the prayers of his people rising before his throne. And then they had a table of showbread, which had two stacks, six each, to represent the tribes of Israel, that the, the, the table of showbread would sit there constantly. And we use this as a revelation, not only of God, but of you and I as human beings. So we've studied this and, and picked it apart and talked about how, okay, this is how we come into God's presence. We cleanse ourselves. We offer a sacrifice of praise. We come into the next place. There's the illumination of God's word. There's the bread of his presence. You see all the symbolism there? But I don't want to just point toward, towards it towards a revelation of God. We need to look at it as a revelation and a bit of a map, a pattern, so to speak, of how do we come in and enter into the secret 
Spirit, please, where God finds me and I find God, how do we do that? So here's what I want to point out to you, is I really believe that that inner court, that place before you go into the Holy of Holies, it not only representative of all the beautiful things that it represents, but here's what I want to tell you tonight, and this will help you. It represents our mind, our will, and our emotions. You are a human being with a spirit. Amen? If you're born again, your spirit's born again. I was explaining this to somebody just the other day. He's a new Christian. I met with him the other day and was explaining this. And he kind of cocked his head and thought, okay. I said, you're a body, soul, and spirit. If you're born again, you have a new cre- you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have a spirit, man. Your spirit's now alive. That part of you that could not commune with God, that part of you that could not experience God, that part of you that could not obey God, is now made new. But what I found, and I explained to him, is most Christians don't live out of their spirit, man. They live out of their mind, their will, and their emotions. That soulish part of themselves. And listen, my mind can trick me. Amen? My emotions can trick me. My emotions are a wonderful slave, but a terrible master. You guys know that. Your emotions, and and if your mind and emotions are out of whack, your will isn't far behind in making a really bad decision. Amen? So, as you move deeper in your Christian walk, what I've found is that we first concern ourselves Listen, we first concern ourselves as new believers, and I was talking to him, and this all came to me as I was talking to him, is we concern ourselves and we say, man, I want to be clean. How many know when people get saved, at least they should, if they really got saved? I know when I got saved, I'm like, man, if I cheated anybody, I'm going to go back and pay them back, and if I lied, I'm going to go apologize. And and I tried to do that as best I could, but there were obviously people that I never could run into again. And I sat down with an older mentor of mine, and he said, look, you know, when Jesus covers you with his blood, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed your sin from you. And, 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 and we understand that, but, but here, new Christians, are, 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 they are really focused on the outer court living. The outer court living is, I want to be clean, God. I want to, I want to sacrifice for you, God. I want to do something for you, God. It, it is perfectly natural. But I have found that a lot of believers stay there their entire life. They never move into the next phase of the outer court. They go from the outer court to the inner court, and and then they get to the inner court, and they don't really know how. Listen to me. I want to tell you tonight that there's something beyond even the inner court where you get revelation from the Word, where you receive from God the bread of His Word, everything that's symbolic there in that outer court. There is a holy of holies that God has invited you and I into. And that is really where your mind, will, and emotions will begin to be transformed by the Word of God. It will be transformed by the presence of God. Hear me. How many realize there comes a time when we move deeper than what we sacrifice and how clean we are? Are you hearing me? This is meat tonight. Are you hearing me? There's a time where we move past of of our sacrifice and how clean we are. I never stop repenting. Amen? I never stop asking God to cleanse me. But again, most Christians that you'll run into or even churches you'll come into, that's all you'll ever hear. Right? Right? Quit sinning, quit sinning, quit sinning, quit sinning. And that's true. But we never give you the tools of how to quit sinning. We send you down the path of you better please God and you better do it right now or you're not on the path you're supposed to be on. 
I would rather teach you that, hey, there's a path that is very, very few people actually find, and it's being real, taking your mask off, saying, God, who did you really create this man, Jason Hanks, to be? Because I want to be who you created me to be. Warts and all. Amen? And it's our mind, will, and emotions are where the battleground is. Can I tell you tonight, God wants to meet you in the holy place. And the reason he wants to meet us there is that we can go so deep in our relationship with him that we shine with the presence of God. Because, listen, that was the place beyond, not just the outer courts, not just the inner court. There was a place where, listen, God's throne was. God's holy presence was. And, and, and it would have been mind-boggling to Jews of Jesus' day that were starting to get saved and thinking, wait. That's here? That, that's, in, that's inside of me? Man, that'll, that'll just blow, that would have blown their minds because there was no concept of that. Listen, he wants to, for you to encounter him in that place so that the fire of God touches everything about your life. The, the presence of God begins to transform you from the inside out. God is not happy to stay in the outer court of your life. God wants to move right in to the very center and take up residence and to take up lordship and to take up His throne right at the very center of our lives. Listen, when you finally get into that presence place, that holy place, listen, your mind will begin to be transformed by the Word of God. Your emotions will begin to, listen, you will begin to live in joy and peace. I didn't say happiness. Amen? We're so consumed with pursuing happiness. You want me to tell you how to be happy? Who wants to know how to be happy? Find God's will and do it. Amen? You'll you'll have more happiness on accident. Because what is it that keeps, the veil's torn, the veil's completely gone, so we need to understand that it is now, I've talked about this over the last two, three weeks, talked about it last week. There's now uh, an invitation by the blood into the very presence of God. But here's what happens. All the way back to Genesis, y'all, this is nothing new. It's just a fact. When, When man sinned and they partook of the fruit, what began to happen, what 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 did it say? They were ashamed. And when you become ashamed, the last thing that you want to do is to go into a place called the Holy of Holies. And I'll tell you what happens to me. I don't know if it happens to you. What happens to me is then the enemy shows up. He knows what he's doing because here's what he's trying to do. He knows that there's transformation in there. Meeting with God, there's transformation that's about to happen. So he does his old time honor trick. He comes to us, you know, you're such a sinner. Such a loser. You are horrible. Amazing that he's the one that tempted us to begin with. Well, our own desires, but he capitalizes on them. Amen. And then he comes to beat you up. You know, you don't deserve to even go to church. You're a terrible mom. Look how, look how your kids turned out. You hear me? He just on and on and on. And what, what happens is that shame gets on us. And the last place, the very, the very main place we need to find ourselves in in those times is in the secret place. You know what opens the door to secret place? This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. Maybe in Matthew 5 too. I'll go back and read it later. 
But in Matthew 6, this is what he's talking about. You know what opens the door to God and his presence? We know repentance, right? Honesty. Honesty, because God already knows it anyway. But we're hiding. We, same, same thing Adam and Eve did. We do all the time, and it keeps us out of the secret place. It actually is counterproductive not to run to God when you've fallen short of his glory than running from God. Running from God, you're just going to get further and further away from his help and strength. Amen? And you're going to end up in a bad place. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So to end tonight, here's five things. If you want to find the secret place, understand there's a pattern. Understand as they came into the, into the temple, they had the outer court where there was cleansing. When I come to God, I follow that pattern in my prayer life. I say, God, I'm sure at some point today I've either... In the morning, I offer God, I encourage you to do this too, I offer God a morning and an evening sacrifice. The Bible talks about that. And oftentimes we think, well, if I'm going to find God in the secret place, I've got to pray for four hours. That's exactly what Jesus was saying, that, you, that it doesn't know. Praying for four hours is wonderful. But let's be real tonight. Some of you all haven't prayed four hours in the last six months. Come on, come on, let's, 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 just, be, let's just be honest. So I want to encourage you tonight to find God in the secret place. The more that you practice his presence, the more that you'll recognize his presence. And the more you recognize his presence, then you understand there is no door anymore. So you don't even need, I encourage you to have a secret place, to have a prayer closet. Mine's on my back porch. It's quiet. The birds. I love outdoors. I think if we need to, if you need to reconnect with God, I encourage you to get out of the house. (laughs) Amen. Just just go out and enjoy some of what God created, and it'll begin. You'll feel that connection with Him again. But it, it it's not just about the length of time; it's about the quality. It's about connecting with Him, and you can you you'll figure out real quick. You can have a full blown conversation with Him anywhere that you're at, in any moment that you're in, because you're beginning to practice the secret place. So, number one tonight is this. Here, here it is. You've got to desire this kind of relationship with God. You have to desire it. I can't desire it for you. The person sitting on the row with you, your husband or wife or a friend, can't desire this for you. Pastor can't feed you a bottle in order for you to get to this place of relationship. Can't happen. My job is to stir up the soup pot, amen, to get you hungry for this place in God because it exists God fully expects us to have this type of relationship with him of intimacy and secret place and and transformation that happens on the inside working its way out. And what I'm talking about these last couple services, even going back to last Wednesday, so tonight, the last three services, does not give you an excuse to continue to live in sin. Amen? It does not not give you an excuse to be a a mean, angry, bad person. Amen? Uh, Come on. That is. Because oftentimes, oh, Jay's talking about just be real. Well, if you're real as being mad at everybody, (laughs) repent. Okay? So we need to draw a little bit of a line there. Because I'm mad with people, yeah, I've been, you know, been an old jerk for 26 years. Well, I stop now. It's like, no, let Jesus transform you. Let him change you. Let him do something in your life. But it's, listen, if I come and tell you, quit being angry, you're still going to struggle with anger. If I tell you, hey, let me show you how to find God and have a powerful relationship with him, your mind, will, and emotions will 
come into alignment with the Word of God. It absolutely will. Number two, learn to quiet yourself and allow yourself to get in touch with the real you. In other words, you just have to quiet yourself, turn everything else off, and begin to just allow yourself to be real with God. I I promise you, God would be more pleased with 10 minutes of you being real, amen, than 10 minutes of you faking. Amen? Listen, I want to challenge you. Start with 10 minutes. You, You may say, I don't know what you're talking about. Start with five or ten minutes and just say, God, this is me. Be honest with him. I'm coming to you in the blood of Jesus and the blood of your son. And I ask you just to commune. I ask you just to be with me. I ask your presence. Listen, that five, ten minutes turns into where you don't want to leave that place. Amen? And it's beautiful. Number three, you must believe certain facts about God to find God in the secret place and, 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 and to find him there and him to find you there. You have to believe that God loves you. Amen? You have to trust in the finished work of Christ that makes you worthy by the blood of Jesus, not something of yourself. Here, you've got to believe that God has your best interest at heart. You have to believe that God really, truly loves you to find that place. Number four, be totally real and honest with yourself and with God. Why do we confess our sins? Why? Because God doesn't know them. Of course he does. Because God knows that you have got to get real and honest to ever get over any sin issue in your life. You can't hide it. You can't hide from him. You can't run from him. You have to come to God and do the old face the music thing, right? It's like the illustration I gave at the end of my sermon. That's where the the term face the music came from was the story of the emperor who called everybody individually to play for him. And he had been faking it all those years. That's where it came from. It's time to face the music. He wouldn't face the music, so he killed himself. Come on. Number five, stand with me tonight. Alexis, if you don't mind to come. Invite God into your secret place and learn how to live there together. Listen, pastor's not saying that, you know, if you're not experiencing this place in God, that you're not saved because you're saved by the blood of Jesus. Amen? What pastor's saying tonight is there's so much more than what you're experiencing now. There's so much of your identity that you've never discovered because you've never just gotten real and honest with God. Bow your head and close your eyes tonight. I want to ask this question. I know what the answer is, and I know I know everybody's going to raise their hand. I, at least I assume you would. I'm raising my hand with... How many want a deeper intimacy with God? Man, I do too. I think that's the season we've been in lately. Is God's invitation just, hey, hey, children, come deeper. Come deeper with me. Get, get to know Him like you've never known Him before. Look, get to know His goodness. Get to know His mercy. Get to know, listen, get to know His discipline. For every son whom He receives, the Lord disciplines. No discipline seems all that great at the time, church. It doesn't seem like, wow, good. I'm getting disciplined by God. doesn't seem great, but listen, it produces something in our life. It produces the righteousness that God's looking for. It produces the holiness that God's looking for. But that is produced out of intimacy, out of knowing Him. Knowing Him. We shall know the truth intimately, and the truth shall set us free. So, Lord, with our, our hands lifted high, as we sang just a few minutes ago, Lord, 
as our hands lifted high is just a sign of surrender and saying, God, take this church into a deeper place of intimacy with you. Father, take this church into a a greater place of the secret place where we encounter the life-transforming power of Christ. Lord, we know and realize that that pathway is opened by the blood, but the door, the first step into that door is repentance, Lord. God, I pray for myself and anybody else tonight under the sound of my voice that if we need to repent, We need to turn away from the things in our life that we know are destroying us. Father, I pray in this moment that you would grant us grace and mercy. Wash us in the water of the word tonight. God, just like coming into the outer courts, Lord, tonight we wash ourselves in the bronze labor. Tonight, Father, we offer a sacrifice to you, understanding it's the fruit of our lips, the sacrifice of praise. And, Lord, we do come into the past that point into the outer court, into the into the, the, the holy of holies where you desire to meet with us. So, Lord, I pray for a rejuvenation of our quiet time, the secret place, the closet, the prayer closet. God, may you beckon, call us back to a fresh encounter with you in that place, God, that it would truly cause us to bring us back into a place of being who you created us to be because, God, You love us so very much. You desire the best for us. And God, you want us to be in that place with you and to find ourselves in that place of intimacy. So God, birth it in us, do it in us, and walk it out with us, Father. I pray for everybody in this place tonight. Lord, we desire to be close to you like never before. To hear your voice like never before, Jesus. To be found in you and you in us, Jesus. That's what we desire. That's what we want, God, in this church in this, and for this community that people really don't encounter fake, Lord, but encounter the real believers that carry your presence into a dark world, God. Let that anointing fall on us tonight. Let that desire be stirred up into, in us tonight. Let us be stirred up to pursue you like never before, Jesus. Father, I pray blessings over the congregation tonight. Father, I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that they would be blessed in their work and they would be blessed in their homes. May everything they put their hand to, Father, may may it have the favor and blessing of God upon it. May you breathe life and blessing upon each person. And Father, tonight as we go from here, I pray your holy angels would surround us and be with us and go before us and behind us and then gather us back together at the appointed time. God, I bless the people of God at Christian Center Church. Bless their faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Bless their kids and their kids' kids, God. Let the blessings of God be found upon each one of us tonight. In Jesus' holy name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good crowd tonight for the rain. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed, y'all. And don't forget, tomorrow morning, go to that secret place, y'all. Spend some time with Jesus. Amen.